Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey guys, so glad you could make it today. Welcome to Couples Therapy. Holy shit, is this what this is? You said we were going to a business meeting. This is business. You know, I, I thought it'd be good for us. Why? Hey, just because it says Couples Therapy, you know, it's still beneficial. You know, we're, we're partners. On a podcast on a not even a good podcast do you see how defensive he gets mm-hmm. i do i screw I do. you guys this is ridiculous i just don't think he understands me I, I i am you you know what you know i don't have to be here i don't have to be here <laughs> thanks steven you see his face no worries man always here to help you know what it, it's about time it feels good you know what good for you for getting back at him um but uh but payment Oh, I, uh, I, uh, thought this was, uh, uh therapy's kind of... not cheap. Do you want to, do you want to shout out on a podcast? Just leave, please. Okay. What's going on, guys, and welcome back to Life's a Wreck, the podcast where I, Kyle Moore, your stunning... You know, I'm going to say it. I didn't like this week's intro. Come on, lighten up, man. You get your digs in. You know, it's about time I had a little bit of fun. I just, I... Do you do you want to do actual couples therapy wow. with that? That help clear things up? Who are you? You know what? Thanks for asking, other me. Uh, I'm Kyle Moore, a 21-year-old bundle of anxiety, and that voice you're hearing is the always charming voice in my head. Did you kick rocks <laughs> great uh guys this is the podcast where we explore the world of mental health through conversation with special guests humor and you know what just all around good vibes it's not a good time it's not good vibes just click off now guys thanks for rating and reviewing the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and if you haven't done it already and i don't know why you wouldn't have you can always take a screenshot of the fact that you've rated and reviewed it a little bit of proof and send it to the at life's a wreck instagram account and if you do that um you're you'll probably grow like four inches overnight which is pretty pretty cool um, you have nothing to, to say about that one? Okay, well, I, I guess we're just going to keep rolling. This is seriously um, what we're doing. We're not even, there's nothing, nothing tangible there. You're not even making, you're just, you're just putting stuff out there. Well, yeah, you know, it's just kind of like fun. It's like funny. But you're you not, know? you're not funny. You're, you're losing it. Yeah, well, I am talking to myself in my bedroom, so <laughs> checkmate. No, man, That's, no. anyway, uh, this week on the podcast, I'm actually, I'm really stoked guys, uh, because we're going to talk about an aspect of mental health that I think gets overlooked a lot. Um, and it's something that will affect or has affected everyone and that's grief. Um, and I've been really fortunate where I haven't really experienced a lot of grief in my life. 
Um, and I think because of that, like when I come on this podcast and I talk about my experiences with mental health and, and I, I talk about mental health in general, you know, I, I talk about anxiety, OCD, depression. I talk about a lot of mental illness and that kind of stuff. But the whole premise of this podcast was mental health affects everything that we do. It's in everything that we do. And I think that what this episode and what this week has really kind of showed me is that, you know, grief is such this, this huge part of life, but yet we don't really talk about it that much. You know, it's something that we all kind of, we kind of keep deep down uh, and I think that it's time to bring that to the forefront and that's where Carm Pileggi comes in. Uh, Carm is an educator, a support worker and a mental health advocate from Toronto who began her journey with loss and grief over a decade ago. Now she runs the brand Girls Gotta Heal which focuses on sharing her journey as well as empowering other women and their allies along their own grief journey. So I'm going to quit rambling Thank you. Uh, and we can get right into it. Carm, welcome to Life's a Wreck. How are you doing? Um, I'm feeling pretty great. I really like what I've been working on and doing with Girls Gotta Heal. So that's really motivating and fueling for me. Um, it's coming toward the end of summer. So I'm a little bit anxious going back into work because I work in education and mental health. Um, so it's just nearing the end of the summer and just those feels that come along with it. But overall, pretty great. Yeah, that's good. That's good to hear. It is kind of one of those things when you've got, uh, and you know, I can definitely talk about it, like, um, from like two people who work in like the who are kind of trying to do the mental health uh, pages and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's so nice when you kind of get into a bit of a rhythm, because it's such a yeah such a huge thing that uh, you know you once in a while you're like okay I don't know like I don't know what to do I don't know what to post and then once you once you get a couple things out there you're like oh yeah this feels this feels right this feels good exactly especially when you get that nice feedback whether people are messaging you personally or messaging on like the post that you're creating like it feels good because it's like it's like instant validation right exactly and it's tough right because yeah. it's, like, it's such a niche thing that when you're putting it out there you're like i don't know who this is going to get to like i don't know who's going to necessarily see this or like if it's going to find the right people but when it does it's like it's fantastic yeah yeah <laughs> that's how i feel too yeah so tell me more about girls gotta heal just like uh you know give my uh, listeners a bit of a backstory about uh what the page is and and how long you've been working on it and kind of why it all all came to be so girls gotta heal is about a year in and i would say as like within the last six months um i think i started getting more like traction and maybe that came with me putting more of my time in since being in covid many many blessing in that but um yeah, so it really originated, the idea originated years and years ago when I first started um, my grief journey because when I was, I had experienced my first loss when I was 16, but my dad had passed when I was 18. And um, during that time, I couldn't really find any resources or anything that made me feel connected or not alone. A lot of the people that I was around in high school, they had no idea what I was experiencing. Like the problems we had were very different. And, um, there was no platform, nowhere I could go to that I could find community. So I always thought to myself years after um, this loss that I had uh, or losses that I had that I wanted to to build it because years after I still was trying to find it and I couldn't find anybody or any platform or anything that touched on the things that I was struggling with. So um, yeah, so I was just like, I'm going to create it. If if I, if I couldn't find it, I was going to make it myself and I was going to make it in the way that um, spoke to me and what I needed. And hopefully that that would connect with other girls too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it, it really started from the Instagram page. And then I also have 
a blog that I post on weekly, just sharing a little bit more about my experiences to hopefully allow others to connect a little bit further. Um, and that's, that's about it right now. I'm also working on peer support groups. So working on some ideas to expand um, the community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's great. And I think we, we talked about it before, like how grief is one of those things that literally every single person is going to experience in their life, whether it is the loss of a friend, a lot like a, a loved one, a pet, anything like there, there's so much, yeah. it, there is so much grief in the world. And yet you really don't necessarily hear that much about it. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, because it's almost so normal that it's like, yeah, it's just a part of life. You just kind of have to deal with it. But it's like a, it's a, it's a hard thing to, to deal with, especially at a young age. Like, how do you feel like that, like kind of affected right. you growing up? Uh, it totally reshaped my life. It reshaped the course of my life. Um, I always think back to that. Um, I, I guess most people do too. Like if this thing didn't happen to me, how would I be? Um, it, it really allowed me to become more independent. It was really hard, but not having like that main person in my life to go to, I had to figure out things on my own. I had to push myself in really difficult situations when I wanted to quit, when I didn't want to go to school. I had to continue pushing myself because there was no way out. I didn't have anybody else to go to. So um, I was going to be my out. I was going to be the one who was, you know, going to get myself out of th that situation. So I had to continuously push myself. Um, and yeah, it, it really shaped everything. It shaped the relationships that I would get, get into, the friendships I got into, the career I got into. Um, it, it really changed everything for me. Yeah, it sounds like you've always been been pretty resilient. Like, I mean, to to say that like this major thing happened and I just have to kind of step up and be strong, like that that's not just necessarily like a common response. Like, it, was that always kind of how you've how you've been, or like was that just one of those things like a, a switch flipped and you're like, you know what, I got me. Maybe it was always there, but definitely when I was put in that situation, um, that flip switch, that switch flipped switch for flip. sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it definitely came through for sure then because I was put in that position where it was sink or swim. And I think, you know, maybe because of the strong relationship I had with my parents and my dad, it kind of set me up for that. Um, I had a lot of protective factors. So my family was pretty tight. Like my, my siblings and I have always been really close. And um, I had such great um, relationship with my dad. And um, yeah, I think that really contributed to me being resilient or becoming even more resilient during those times. Mm -hmm. I, I can speak from personal experience. Like when I first started going through really the kind of shitty parts of mental health, it was like, I didn't want to talk to it talk about it. Cause I didn't really think that anybody would like ever really understand or like no one really, really kind of like, or people would say that like other people have it worse and all that kind of stuff. And I was kind of afraid yeah. like to, to go and talk about it. But like, what you kind of said you mentioned a little bit earlier like you didn't talk about it a lot at school and that kind of stuff like you just kind of like it happened no. and, you, and you kept it to yourself like do you think that do you wish that you had to talk about it or like why did you feel like you needed to keep it in I would say like I don't think I would change I would have changed anything because I don't think like developmentally the the peers that I was that I was around would have been able to fully understand and the times that I did try to confide in certain peers um it didn't always go well, even as an adult, like telling um, the, the person that I was in a relationship with didn't always go well. So um, I think I did the best I could. I think I went into survival mode a bit and just um, became really observant of, it made me more observant of the people, you know, who are going to be great listeners and the people who are just going to be talking about themselves. And I just kind of coasted by those people. Right. Um, 
yeah, so I think I, I handled it as, as best as I could because like you said, you you sometimes worry if you tell someone it's going to make them uncomfortable or they're going to say something that makes you feel even more shitty. Yeah. So you you try to avoid that. And and I think you you have such like a good detector. You know, when you're going through something really tough, you can really detect who's going to give you that response or not. So you try to avoid it. But um, yeah, I, I was kind of developing that when I was in high school as well. So um, I, I really picked and choose who I was going to share that with. And in a sense, it's like you, you have to adjust um, to them. Like you have to, they're not the ones that are adjusting to the things that are going on in your life. You're going through such difficult, terrible things, but you still have to adjust. And that's kind of what I did. I don't always, I don't think that, that that's necessarily right, but I think that's just where we're at in terms of the stigma around grief or talking about it. Mm. Um, I just had to continue with my life and had to continue going out and going to school and, um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, there's such a huge difference I find, especially when you're going through like really terrible stuff that like when you confide in somebody, somebody who's listening to listen and somebody who's listening to respond, you know what I mean? It's like some people just want to like have something to say. They just kind of like get in that uncomfortable situation because you are dumping a lot of emotional, I don't want to say baggage because it's not necessarily baggage, but it's just like yeah. you're you're opening up to them in a way that is like very intimate and it like makes them feel really like, like, wow, this person, I, I mean a lot to this person, which can scare a lot of people away. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that can definitely, that can be definitely tough. And you definitely see it in relationships for sure. And that's kind of like what you're doing in Girls Gotta Heal right now is talking about relationships and mental health and, and grief and everything. But like, why, why did you feel like that was just so important to like get out there? Because you've done it for now two months. Yeah. Relationships is a huge topic because it's not just romantic relationships. It's mm-hmm. friendships. It's relationship with your family members. It's your relationships with your coworkers. And um, I think that we all really it's, it's human nature to want to connect and to find healing through connection. And that comes with relationships. And um, I think when we go through such hard times, our relationships are definitely the first ones to take a hit, especially our relationship with ourselves. We maybe notice the ones around us changing, but the one we have with ourselves changes the most. Um, so I just feel like it's a huge aspect of our life that is greatly impacted. So that's why I wanted to spend these two months on Girls Gotta Heal, just um, h- highlighting that and focusing my posts around relationships because, yeah, I think I think they're they're really important and they deserve that attention and that work because they're also going to contribute to your healing. What did grief teach you about the relationships in your life? Like, what maybe that something somebody who didn't experience what you experienced wouldn't really necessarily know. Um, it really taught me the value of relationships, honestly. Um, you know, I, like I lost my dad when I was a teenager, I might've not held him that high up or thought as high up about him. Um, if he didn't pass, you know, cause as a teenager, you're like, ah, oh, like, well, you know, like these are my parents. This is my, this is the life I live. Like, this is just what I'm supposed to be in. Like I'm supposed, I'm supposed to have parents. I'm supposed to be in school. I'm supposed to have friends. Um, but that was kind of stripped away from me. So that was, so in a sense, I was taking it for granted, but I, I think most people that age do. So it really placed a high value on relationships and, um, you know, just, just how important each one is. Like, I really, um, I'm a person who like, I would rather spend time talking to you one-on-one than being in a group with you. And that allows me to get to know you deeper, really appreciate certain parts of you. And, um, I saw that part of myself really, um, enhanced more after the grief. I was seeking more like 
interpersonal um, close relationships. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess it it just made me really appreciate it more. Mm -hmm. Did you ever find that like, because one of my things with with anxiety and OCD, one of my biggest fears when I was growing up was losing people. And it was one of the one of my OCD yeah. traits where every night before I went to bed, I would tell my parent, it'd be like, good night, love you, see you in the morning. And if that wasn't like affirmed, it was like this huge, like I couldn't sleep, all this kind of stuff. And yeah. I, But I did find that because of the fact that I held relationships in such a high um like just kind of mental place, like it was, they were so important to me that occasionally things turned almost unhealthy because it was like this obsession with keeping somebody around or, or not wanting to lose somebody and that kind of stuff. Do you ever feel like maybe what you went through kind yeah. of made certain things almost like harder or unhealthy or anything like that? Yeah, because, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, that definitely like, I, I can connect with that for sure. And I think, um, when you lose someone, you have a fear of losing more people. Mm-hmm. So, um, even if it's the people in your life that are very toxic and unhealthy, that's still a person. That's still a body that counts. Yeah. So um, it definitely around that age in my late teens, early twenties, it took me a really long time to um, drop the people that I shouldn't have had in my life. I kept them around longer than I should have. Yeah. Even when I was at that age, I was so like hyper aware. I knew who was good for me. I knew who was going to be a good listener. Like I had that detector. I knew it, but it was just hard for me to put it into, into place, into action and to separate myself from those people because I really feared losing them. And in my eyes, it was like more, more people means more love, more, um, less chance of losing. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how it really impacted me. I would say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as you said you're so hyper aware you spend so much time in your head that you know yourself really well and, yeah. and you're like okay i understand that this is a red flag but like i might never find anything better than this or this might be my, yeah. my closest friend that i ever have and i'm never going to meet somebody who's nicer mm-hmm. than this person even though that they're not that nice in general kind of thing and yeah. it, it can be a really tough thing to navigate especially at a young age like i mean granted i can't imagine being in the midst of growing up a 16 year old like that's such a that's such an influential age like that that's like a such a foundation age building blocks for your entire life and having to like having to process through all that it just sounds sounds really tough yeah um i i'm curious like what your grief process has looked like as somebody who who hasn't who very fortunately hasn't really had to deal with a lot of grief in my life um i'm i'm kind of curious because i've talked to my friends who have lost loved ones who they're really close with and that kind of stuff and it seems like it's kind of different for everybody but you know if you if you were to like educate me a little bit more about grief i'd I'd love to kind of hear more about like what that whole process is like and kind of some of the uh more intricate parts of it um, I think firstly, like you said, everyone experiences it different. We we always hear like there's this there's this framework called like the five stages of grief. Um, I don't necessarily fully believe believe in it. It didn't necessarily apply to me. And I think sometimes when we have frameworks, it's a really good thing because it makes us feel like we can connect to it. But I think if you can't connect to the framework, it makes you feel even more isolated. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of where I was at when I was presented with the five stages of grief. I'm like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think everyone has their own experience. Um, uh, for me, it was a lot of withdrawing. I think there was a cultural component as well. Um, we, I come from like a European background and not to say every European family is like this, but for us, how we processed it was we didn't really talk about it. Mm. It just kind of, it's not like, okay, let's get together. Let's talk about dad. Like, let's share some stories. Like it was hard. And, and we 
we didn't. We didn't talk about it for years. We just kind of coasted by. And um, so for me, I withdrew a lot. Like I didn't share those things. I didn't share them with my family. I didn't share them with my friends, like maybe like one or two close friends. But um, for me, it was a lot of um, finding self-help resources. Like I, I became so aware, like we're talking about, um, that I knew I knew that the people in my life weren't ready to talk about their grief, but it was impacting me so greatly. And I was at a point where I was going to start post-secondary. I was going to university and I'm like, I need, I want to have healthy relationships. I want to be able to get through school. I want to be successful. And like, and I know that this part of my, my grief and my journey is blocking me. Um, of course I'm going to be sad, but I know that there's, there's gotta be like the functional way to live and deal with it. So I was, I would try, try to find as many like self-help books. Um, I would try to like listen to people who have experienced grief. Um, I just try to absorb as much as I could. It took me a long time to, to find that acceptance. And I think acceptance played a huge part in grief because if you're not accepting it, you're not talking about it, you're not moving forward, you're stuck. And if you're doing all those things, it's hard for you to live your life, to be happy, to find new opportunities, to be successful. So, um, I knew that that was a path for me. It just took me a while to get there. Like it took me years to, um, to find that acceptance because I was still like referring to my dad in like present tense. I would be like, yeah, like my dad is here. I'm not like, Oh, like my dad used to do this. I'm like, my dad does this. Um, so it was hard for me. And and sometimes I wouldn't even mention his name. It took me a long time to to mention his name. So I think pain presents very differently for people, but maybe people listening could connect to some of the things that I'm sharing, but um, I think your grief journey is very unique to you. Maybe the things that you have grown up seeing your culture, your background, how the people around you are coping or what supports being offered to you. Um, But at the end of the day, it really comes to you and like you putting in the work, you finding what works for you. So I think when I was in university, I, I didn't have a lot of money at all. Uh, I had to find ways to, to support myself and to pay for tuition and stuff so um I found that they had like a counseling service at school and it was free and I'm like okay if it's free like yeah yeah you know what's the worst that was yeah I'll check it out with you know if if it's terrible I'll just walk away and lose any money so um I checked it out and um, I built a great connection with the counselor there who that was kind of my first point in starting to share the the things that were surrounding my grief and um, start talking about my dad. And that was really hard for me to do. So it took me a couple months to build a relationship with her. Cause obviously like at that point I was, you know, had that high alert on. So it took me like months to actually start sharing, but um, that was a really great point for me in my grief journey to um, connect with someone who was going to just be so open-minded and just hear me and have no connection to me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So um, yes. Yeah. I, f- I forgot the question. <laughs> oh, no, that was great. This was that going was, off. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, that was exactly, it was basically just saying like, what, you know, what did the process look like for you? And that's exactly like, yeah, yeah. was that, okay. would you say that, that was a, no worries. Would you say that that was like a big, like, was that your turning point kind of thing? Cause I feel like everybody in a mental health journey yeah. or, or any kind of thing that they're dealing with, there's always that like one moment where it's kind of like, oh, shit, like, okay, I gotta, I gotta start <clears throat> doing something. I've got to kind of break this cycle. Yeah, because I knew at that point that the, my siblings and my mom weren't ready to talk about it. They weren't ready to do the work. And for them, that was working for them. They were able to get through. 
but I just wasn't, it was blocking. I was excited to start school um, and to build new relationships and things like that. And I knew that I was stuck and I had to start doing the work. And for a while I was waiting for those around me to start talking about it and to start doing the work, but it, it just wasn't happening. So I had to take that leap and, and start it myself. I didn't even share with my family that I went to a counselor for like wow. the whole time I was in university. Wow. Yeah. When did you start talking with your family about it? I would say more recently, like within, so we're kind of, we're kind of approaching like the, the 10 year mark. So mm. probably within the last like four years. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's kind of crazy. Six years of, of not really kind of mentioning essentially like the, the really terrible, like elephant in the room kind of thing. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did like when you guys started talking about it like how'd that look I, I think um it came it came quite organically um and I think in those years before like I was just upset that we weren't talking about it but it did come organically I think like my mom started sharing like some stories or I can't remember probably during like a an event or something like a holiday or something like a story came up and I think that's what it was because my dad was super funny so I think someone shared like a memory and then like it got us all going but um, not to toot my own horn, but <laughs> I think the work that I started doing had a spill spillover effect, to be honest. Um, and I think, you know, um, me becoming more comfortable and uh, accepting of my journey and just starting that dialogue with my family members slowly um, allowed them to open up a little bit more. Yeah, there's if something. That makes sense. Like that spillover effect. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, like, there's something so powerful. Um about being somewhat of a, I like to call it like a cycle breaker. You get kind of caught up in, in everybody. I got to act like everybody around me. If my parents aren't the kind of people who address things, then I'm going to, you know, and then yeah. I to kind of find that strength to be that yourself. And I definitely found that even with, uh, even with my podcast in a, you know, in a small town, like I had friends who were, I played high school with uh, or played high school basketball and football and that kind of stuff with who were like reaching out and being like, Hey man, like I decided that like, you really kind of made me realize that like, I'm going to, I'm going to try therapy or I'm going to try this. And it was like one of those moments where you're like, yeah, like it just takes one person to show that it's like kind of okay. And uh, yeah. it's not an easy thing to do, but once you do it, you're like, wow, like you can really change like, like a lot of people's perspectives really quickly. Yeah, definitely. And I think when you're at the beginning stages of that, you, you might feel like, a bit upset like why do I have to do that like it should be done already like you know people should be making me feel comfortable mm. but um I think it's important to push yourself because at the end of the day like you know you have you and you matter and like if not if not you then who so like who else is going to be putting in the work other than you so if it yeah. doesn't serve anyone else at least it's serving you exactly exactly yeah it's tough it's yeah. uh it, it's like it's like it's, it's tough but it's like powerful it's like a good it's a good moment to especially when you see people starting to change and you're like wow and like they start becoming more comfortable with stuff and you're like all right this is what it was all for like it's all kind of like paying off here in the end yeah what's uh you know what kind of stuff are you like looking forward to with girls got to heal going forward and that kind of stuff what's something that you're trying to trying to put an emphasis on put a focus on for you and for the page and the blog and everything um, else you're doing I think I think just building more community. So I I really like that I've started the peer support groups. It's something that I do want to continue with because it allows me to again like build that like one to one relationship um, and also connect girls who are maybe having a hard time at whatever stage um, of their journey they're at. Mm -hmm. So um, I really like that component of it. So just essentially building more community um, and just connecting with 
with more people who are struggling with grief and who are maybe like, you know, little me's when I was in high school and I didn't really have anybody and I was just trying to find some kind of connection or just something that made me feel that I wasn't alone in however I was feeling. Was there any particular reason, and I, I, you know, I can totally understand that uh, you kind of went with the the helping other girls handle grief, and not kind of like a general grief thing, but kind of focusing more on girls and what they their experiences. I thought about that because I'm like, I want to be, I want to be inclusive, but I'm a girl, so I can speak to a girl's experience. Absolutely. So the girls got to heal is kind of like me, like I am the girl who's got to heal. Mm. So I can speak on that female perspective. Um, I love always hearing male perspectives and I do acknowledge and, and, and think it's so important for male mental health advocates to speak on their experience. So um, it's, I don't, I don't like specifically just stick no, to girls, but totally, um, yeah. I think I, <laughs> I think I just started it because, you know, I can, I can give that female perspective. I can speak, speak on my experience. And I think that that's powerful enough. So um, that's why. I chose girls got to heal. It's great. It's it's yeah. one of those things that it's just so like, I love being able to like talk with people who have done something that's like super unique. And I feel like, I feel like how you've kind of approached everything. Like it's just such a, it's such a kind of just fresh take on mental health where it's like, you don't feel necessarily like you're, I feel like mental health is always one of those things where it's like, it's almost kind of like described as this dark, dangerous place kind of thing. And it's like, oh, you got to like mm-hmm. really be like strong and fierce and all this kind of, it's like you do, but at the same time, it's like you can, it can be kind of like a, a softer journey. It doesn't have to be this hard, gr- you know, grind it out kind of thing. It's like, you're not alone. You've got people yeah. to support you. And it's like, sometimes you just need that like smile or just a little reminder that like, hey, even though it sucks, not necessarily the end of the world. Exactly. And that's what my message is too. I think that grief and mental health impact every every aspect of your life it's not just like you have anxiety and you just feel anxious or you lose someone and that person's gone it's like you lose that person and now your physical health is impacted your finances are impacted your relationships are impacted like everything right so I do like to highlight that but also show that you definitely can make it through each of those aspects of your life, you know, just being mindful of certain things and pushing yourself and using tools, tools that you pick up along the way, you can definitely get through it. But I don't want to like shy away from that either. So um, I try to highlight that where I can. Mm-hmm. Is there any goals that you yourself are personally working towards with your, with your mental health and your grief right now? Um, I I would say it's not like, it's not like a linear, I never say that word, right? Linear or linear. Um, it's, it's not, it's not that kind of journey, you know? So I will always have work to do. So I think for me, it's just, um, you know, continuing, um, my work on myself. So being, being, uh, consistent with going to therapy and exploring other areas of my journey, my childhood that I haven't really dug into and, um, just becoming more connected with myself even further. So, um, I think the work doesn't stop just because you feel good right now doesn't mean next month you're going to feel good. So it's like, it's always important to do like that maintenance and that like proactive work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things definitely like, you know, you can definitely describe it like a roller coaster or like a wave. It's like, you'll have great days and you'll be like, you know what? Like, especially, you know, if you, if you make a big switch in your life and you're like, wow, that, that was it. That was the only thing that I had to do. And now I am like, I'm good to go, but you never know what's going to happen. And and life throws a lot of like really crazy shit at you and you just kind of have to, to, to learn how to deal with it. But, um, I am curious, you know, if you were, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've talked with so many people who have went through their their grief process and that kind of stuff. If somebody is 
apprehensive about about really opening up that that Pandora's box, like are really kind of going mm-hmm. into it. What's the first step that you would say that they can take that might be an easy way to kind of move in the direction of of acceptance? I would say work on work on becoming comfortable with yourself and your thoughts. Um, so spending a lot of time with yourself, and it's not just like mindless time watching TV. It's like time with yourself, like, you know, writing out your feelings and trying to explore things on your own. Um, I think that it it really starts with you, you know, you can go to a therapist or talk to your friends, but if you haven't tried to make sense of the things that you're feeling on your own, it might not, you know, work so well if you do go to a therapist or talk to your friends. I think it's, it's important to spend that time with yourself and just figure out where you're at, meet yourself where you're at, I always say, Um, wherever that is, that can be at a really low point meet yourself where you're at and explore those feelings. Um, Try to understand what's going on for you, why you're feeling that way, um, why these patterns are coming up. So try to make sense of it. That can come through writing, that can come through any kind of expression, but that time with yourself is really important because if you're not comfortable with yourself, how are you gonna be comfortable with yourself while talking to somebody else? Absolutely, yeah, I I think that that's that's such an important thing that I don't think a lot of people necessarily think about. Especially like mm-hmm. you know when we talked, uh, you know what we did when we did our Instagram live for your for the girls got a Hilo and talking about relationships and how if you don't have any love for yourself and you don't you're not comfortable with yourself, like how are you going to be comfortable mm-hmm. with somebody else? And I think that that's that's so true with like any kind of mental health journey. It, it doesn't have to be relationships or anything, but like you have to. It does. It starts and ends with you. You got to meet yourself where you're at. I love that quote. Yeah, and, and if you try to skip over that, life's gonna be like the the like rewind. Like <laughs> it'll just keep on bringing you back. Like you cannot skip that. It's yeah. really essential. Yeah. No, it's such a huge like it's such a huge like building block almost kind of thing. It's like you can't move forward unless you've like put the past. And I think that that's with literally everything. And it's like so tough when people don't necessarily really think about the fact that it's like, if you haven't dealt with your past and you haven't dealt with these things that are like, are, are these shadows that kind of follow you around and they might not be like apparent and like always like drilled into your head, but it's like, it will come back to, to haunt you kind of thing unless you, you just take the time. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. How can people, uh, how can people connect with you uh, and, and girls got to heal the entire brand? Um, they can go on the girls got to heal Instagram platform um dm me email me um i'm always writing blogs every week so you can check those out um yeah just stay connected through through social media through all the girls gotta heal social media awesome i'll definitely i'll put the links uh links in the bio the last thing i want to ask you carm uh and i appreciate taking the time this morning (laughs) kind of early in the morning on a monday uh to (laughs) to come on the podcast but uh every week i like to give out a challenge Mm to uh to my listeners uh something that they can implement into their lives or or just into their week just to kind of make every day a little bit better a little bit easier um and if you were to give out a challenge based on everything that you've been through everything that you've you've learned what's something that you would uh you would give to the listeners to to kind of try to maybe make things a little bit easier Ooh, um that that's really interesting i would say um focusing on self-care self-care is something that gets pushed aside a lot and sometimes we don't realize that we need that until we burn out or we are just totally depleted whether you're a mom whether you are working whether you are just a person that is living and has relationships you can get depleted very quickly so Um, whatever you're going through, whether it's mental health or grief, I think self-care is very key. So like we said, getting in touch with yourself and sitting with your feelings and trying to, trying to make sense of, of them and, um, 
trying to understand a little bit better, like, you know, what your needs are, mm. um, and then making a plan to, um, to incorporate what you will need through your self-care. So self-care is not just about like, um, face masks and getting your nails done. Uh, it's really specific to you and your needs change on a weekly basis. So, um, self-care could be setting boundaries. It could be saying no to things that you do not want to go to. Um, it's essentially just prioritizing your needs and respecting where you're at while also replenishing yourself. So for me, like one of my main ones is getting my nails done. I like that because that's an hour and a half where I'm not looking at my phone and I just don't think about anything. So that's what I need because my mind is constantly going. So it's, um, I would say the challenge is trying to find ways to incorporate self-care every day that uh, are reflective of what your needs are that week. Mm, I love that. That's great. Yeah, it, it definitely it can change so often. So but just taking time for yourself. Yeah. And then like, once you give yourself permission to relax, you give yourself permission to start working through things, I think a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, Carm, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your insight and everything like that. I know a lot of people are really going to benefit from this because it is a uh, it's such an interesting perspective for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Carm's great. Yeah, she's really the best. Honestly, I'm not with you on a lot. I'm with you on that. You know, to turn something so hard into something that's that's so beneficial and educational and such a support network for so many people is is honestly really, really cool. Um, what I love most about the conversation with Carm is that, admittedly, like I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, uh, I overlook grief a lot. You know, I, I discount it so often when talking about mental health because of the fact that it's so human. It's so normal. But yet we don't really talk about it. And it does. It wears at our mental health. And this conversation with Carm really opened my eyes to this whole other aspect of mental health that I, I haven't really looked in depth about. Um, just a great conversation. She's incredible. Make sure to go show her some love. Uh, you can follow her on Instagram at Girls Gotta Heal. And uh, Google Girls Gotta Heal to check out her website and blog. She's got merch out now as well. I just ordered a mug, uh, which looks absolutely incredible. Um, you know, she's just built such an incredible resource. Carm, if you want to start a podcast, I will gladly transfer. And uh, honestly, I, I would not blame you. Uh, overall, she's such a great person to talk to. Um, and, uh, and I can't thank her enough for, for coming on the podcast and educating me uh, just as much as do, just doing the interview in general. Um, she's great. So as I'm sitting here and, and really contemplating everything that we talked about today, um, you know, all I can really think is that life's a wreck. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.